way back to your seats. We're going to get started. I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. If you are a guest with us this morning and if you're listening, welcome. Uh, my name is Blake Hilgenfeld, one of the pastors here, and we are very, very grateful and thankful that you are with us this morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 33. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one on the seat in front of you. The verses will, there they are, they're on the screen right now. But I do encourage you to open up a Bible, uh, to get in that practice of the discipline of opening a Bible or a Bible app, and turn to Luke chapter 7. Let's start reading in verse 33. These are the words of Jesus, and he says this. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Let's pray. Father, we just simply ask as we come to your word this morning, that you would do a mighty work among us through your Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we ask that you will give us understanding and help us to see who we really are. That you would give us this revelation, that you would awaken us to the depths of our heart and help us to see what is there. And as your word says, that as we look deep within our hearts, there is nothing that, good, that is good that lies within us. There is only one who is good. And his name is Jesus, the Son of Man, who came to live the life that we have failed to live and to die the death that we rightly deserve so that we can be united with you and reconciled with you. He is the only one who can make us right with you. He is the only one who can make us clean. He is the only one who forgive us of all of our sin because he is the only one who's good. Help us to see that this morning. Help us to see the beauty and the grace of his coming. That he came for us. That he's a friend of sinners. And may that grace cause us to run to you and run to others who desperately need to taste your grace as well. So we ask for your help. We look forward to what you're going to do, and we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. It's good to be 31 this morning. Plus 10. Plus 10. When you hear the phrase, the Son of Man came into this world, what is one of the first things that comes to your mind when you hear that phrase? Or... To put it another way, when you hear Jesus Christ came into the world, what did he come into the world to do? What's, what's, what's one of the first things that come to your mind? Maybe the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came in the world to die on a cross. Or Jesus came into this world to set an example for us to follow. Or Jesus came into this world to teach us about the kingdom of God. Well, last week I mentioned that in the New Testament, there are three ways in which the phrase, the Son of Man, is used. And last week we looked at why the Son of Man came into this world. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
And next week we'll look at another reason why the Son of Man came. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. But this morning we are going to look at not necessarily why the Son of Man came into this world, but how the Son of Man came. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, did not come into this world in a blaze of glory, or he did not come with a mighty army of angels, but we are told that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now, does that surprise you? I mean, it did me when I first heard this used to describe the life of Jesus. I mean, Jesus coming to eat and, and, and drink is not something that comes to my mind when I think about the life and ministry of Jesus. And so maybe... Uh, Cal Naughton Jr. Anyone seen Talladega Nights? Right? Maybe he was on to something when he says this. He says, and I quote, I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt. Because it says, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party. Now, is this your view of Jesus? I mean, not literally in a, in a tuxedo t-shirt, right? But... Is this your view or picture of Jesus? That the Son of Man came to party. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now, this is what Jesus says about himself, right? He says in verse 34, look at it. He says, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him. A glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Listen, only someone who eats and drinks a lot would be accused of being a glutton and drunkard, right? And so... Clearly, Jesus must have spent a lot of time eating and drinking, but Jesus was not a glutton, nor was he a drunkard, just like John the Baptist was not possessed with a demon. And so why are people saying this about Jesus? And, and why is Jesus saying this about himself? Well, well, it, it is true that Jesus came eating and drinking, and, it's, and, and he is being accused of being a glutton and drunkard because it was true. Jesus spent a lot of his time, his life in ministry, eating and drinking. But listen very carefully. Jesus did not spend his time eating and drinking for the purpose of gluttony or drunkenness, but his purpose for eating and drinking was for ministry. Like this was his missional strategy. He spent a lot of time with people eating meals, continuing late into the night, way past 2 a.m. I mean, he shut things down. This is where he talked about the kingdom of God. Lounging on the floor, around the table with some nice grilled fish and a loaf of bread and the finest EVOO, right? And, and, and like this, the picture of the sweetest homegrown wine. This is where Jesus spent a lot of his time eating and drinking with people to talk about the good news of, 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 of his kingdom. Now listen, in the gospel of Luke alone, Jesus, he's either, he's either at a meal, he's leaving a meal, or he's going to a meal. In Luke chapter 5, uh, Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners at a, at a guy named Levi's home. In Luke chapter 7, we're going to see the story in just a second. Jesus at the home of, of a Pharisee named Simon. And there's this woman uh, who's described as a woman of the city. And uh, she interrupts this meal and she goes into Jesus and she begins to, to, to wash his feet with perfume. And she begins to, to weep and begins to wash his feet with perfume and her tears. 
in Luke chapter 9, we see that Jesus feeds the 5,000. And most of you know that story. He, he miraculously takes uh, loaves of bread and fish and multiplies it to feed 5,000 people. In Luke chapter 10, he eats at the home of Martha and Mary. In Luke 11, he condemns the Pharisees and the teachers of, of law over a meal. In Luke 14, he's, he's at this meal and he tells the people to invite the poor and the broken, the outcast, to dinner and to the meals instead of their friends. In Luke chapter 19, he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. In Luke 22, he, he's eating his last meal, the last supper with his disciples. In Luke 24, after he rose from the dead, what did Jesus do? He spent time eating with two of his disciples and later on with all of his disciples in Jerusalem. Now, are we convinced yet? I mean, that, that, that's a, a summary, a, uh, an overview of the gospel of Luke, but but Jesus spent a lot of his time eating and drinking. But listen very carefully. Not only was eating and drinking a missional strategy for Jesus, but eating and drinking was so much more. Meals represented something so much bigger and something so much more significant to Jesus. And so for us to understand why it's so significant that the Son of Man came eating and drinking, is we have to understand the culture in which Jesus came and he lived. You see, one of the central questions in the Jewish culture in which Jesus lived was this question, who can I eat with? Who can I eat with? You see, the greatest burden for the Jewish people in the time of Jesus was the Gentile or the Roman occupation of the promised land Israel. And there was this religious group called the Pharisees who believed that the Jews had to purify themselves before that they could be restored or, or be given back the, the promised land. And so these Pharisees established these purity laws that extended all the way into the Jewish home. And many of these laws had to do with food and they had to do who, with who the Jewish people can eat with. I mean, the Pharisees took these laws and this pursuit of holiness so far as to treat the kitchen table in the Jewish home just like the Lord's altar in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. So the question is, who could eat at the table with the Jew? Only those who measured up to the purity standard of the Pharisees. So only those who are externally purified and clean, in other words, only so-called good, moral, religious, self-righteous kind of people, because anyone else would contaminate their purity. You see, in the time of Jesus, the Jewish people, especially Pharisees, believed that if, if you touched anything unclean, then you would become unclean. And this included people, more specifically sinful people, it, it was like if you were seen as sinful by the Pharisees or by the, 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 the Jewish people, like you had the cooties and, and you, were, you, you were contagious and you, and you were treated like this infectious disease. And so you would be excluded from their table. There'd be no invitation, no eating or drinking. There'd be no friendship, no acceptance, no welcome, no love, no grace. But what about Jesus? Who ate with Jesus? Or, or maybe the, the better question to ask is, who did Jesus eat with? Look at verse 34 again. We are told that Jesus was a friend to tax collectors and sinners. 
You see, the reason why Jesus is accused of being a glutton and a drunkard is because he ate and drank with unclean, immoral, unrighteous sinners. The Son of Man came and spent time eating and drinking with those that the Pharisees excluded from the table. And because Jesus associated himself with whom the religious establishment seen, saw as un, un, undeemed or, or, or not worthy, because he associated himself with sinners, people saw him as like, and he was accused of being just like them. So Jesus came and he tells us and shows us who he ate with. And that is really, really important because it tells us, listen very carefully. The reason why it's so significant is because of this. It is good news that Jesus came eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners because it shows us who's invited to God's party. It's good news because the Son of Man came and by the Son of Man coming and eating and drinking with tax collectors, it shows us who's invited to God's party. He, he came to pass out the invitation. Jesus, Jesus came and he passed out the invitation and the invitation reads like this. It says, it doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you have done. Doesn't matter what your, your life looks like in the past. Doesn't matter what your life looks like presently. Doesn't matter how unclean or unrighteous you are. You are invited to my party to come dine with me, to be my friend. Tax collectors, thieves, crooks, come on, come eat with me. Sinners, drunks, druggies, women of the city, the broken, the outcast, the cheats, those who've made a mess of their lives. Those who know they're unclean, those who know they can't clean themselves up, those who carry around this, this weight of guilt and shame, I welcome you as you are, so come as you are. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, God in the flesh, came to be a friend of sinners. And he invited them to his party to eat and drink with him. So let me ask you a question. What is your view of God this morning? Is it more like the Pharisees? Or is it more like the, the Son of Man? Be honest with yourself. Do you believe and think that God only welcomes those who have it all together? You know, only, only the good and the clean and the self-righteous, the sober are welcome into God's presence to feast at his table. Maybe you believe this morning that God is like the Pharisees and his invitation to you is, you want me to accept you? You want me to be your friend? Then clean yourself up. Clean yourself up first. I only associate with the neat and nice and all put together. And maybe this morning you, you know that you don't have it all together. And maybe you're ashamed of the things that you have done in the past and you carry around this tremendous weight of guilt and shame as a result of who you are and what you have done. And you believe this morning that God doesn't want to have anything to do with you because of who you are and what you have done. Listen, if this is your view of God, you believe that God is like the Pharisees, but that's just simply not true. You see the Son of Man, God in the flesh. flesh. When we see the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, we see the image of the invisible God. We see the very heart of God, my friends. And it tells us that he came to seek and save the lost. 
His coming and eating and drinking with tax collection sinners shows us that he came not for the self-righteous, but for the unrighteous. He came not for those who, who see in themselves, have all put together, and, and see themselves as spiritually healthy, but he came for those who know that they're spiritually sick and poor. The broken, the outcast, the misfits, those who can't free themselves from their own addictions, those who can't free themselves from the burden of weight, and guilt of their past mistakes and the shame they cover. It's, it, it's these people, guys, the Son of Man came for. And he welcomed them to his table, and they flocked to Jesus. I mean, they flocked. They came running to Jesus. They didn't come running to the parties of the Pharisees because they weren't invited. And they knew they weren't good enough. They couldn't measure up to the standards in which the Pharisees set. But, man, they came running, running, running to Jesus and weeping to Jesus, just like this woman in verse 36. Look at it. I love this story. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat a meal or to eat with him. So here we go, right? Another meal. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at this table. So reclining, if you, and let me just say this real quick. In, the, in, in this time to eat a, a meal, there was a low table on the ground. And people would just lounge on the floor around pillows around the table, okay? So kind of picture this. Jesus is reclining at the table uh, with these Pharisees. And behold, a woman of the city. There's kids in here, so... You guys know what, probably what that's talking about. There's women of the city. It was a sinner. When she learned that Jesus was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. It's a perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, picture this. She's weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, is, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, right? Because he knew that this woman touching Jesus was going to make him unclean, for she is a sinner. So Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, he answered, say it, teacher. And he said, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 nari and the other owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus, Jesus said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my hair with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You do not anoint my hair with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she has loved much. But he's forgiven, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say them among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus answered the woman, as said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Guys, why did this woman respond the way that she did to Jesus? Why did he why did she come running and interrupt this meal and begin to weep and, 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 and wash Jesus' feet with expensive perfume and her tears? Well, if you know deep down within your heart and soul, just like this woman did, that you are unclean. If you know deep down there's nothing that you can do to clean yourself up. If you are haunted by past mistakes, just like this woman, and will give anything 
to be forgiven for what you have done. If you find yourself like this woman this morning, ashamed for the things that you have done, and you're longing for for the shame to be covered and taken away, and you see that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, God in the flesh, invites you to dine with him, and welcomes and accepts you just as you are, and he has the authority and promises to forgive you of all of your sin, and take away your past mistakes, and cover your shame, and give you honor and dignity and love and acceptance, wouldn't you two come running and weeping to Jesus? Listen, this is only good news. And this only makes sense, guys. If you see yourself just like the woman of the city saw herself, and if you see Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, God in the flesh, as he really is. Because you see, the Pharisee did not see himself as he really is, lost and spiritually bankrupt, even in his own self-righteousness. He was lost by his righteousness, his morality, his goodness, because he thought he had it all clean and all put together. He thought he was pure because the way in which he talked and the way in which he ate right and the way in which he cleaned himself up. He he didn't see that he needed to be forgiven even for his own righteousness. And therefore, his heart was cold towards Jesus. He said, Jesus told me, you didn't do anything for me when I, when, when I came in. Yeah, you opened your home and, and, and shared a meal, but, but not like this woman. This woman saw herself for who she really is. She saw the spiritual reality of her life, and she was filthy. She was a sinner. She was broken. She, she knew that she couldn't clean herself up. She knew that she couldn't do anything to erase her past mistakes or, or, or to do anything to be forgiven for what she does. But she saw the man, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, for who he really is. The one who came to do for her what she could never do for herself. The one and only one who can give true purity. The only one who can clean any of us up. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, is the only one who's good. He's the only one who's pure. He's the only one who's clean. And Jesus saw him for who he was. And and she loved him much. Why? Because he had forgiven her of so much. Guys, listen, it's not a coincidence that Luke included the story right after the accusation that was made that Jesus is a, is a, is a glutton and a drunkard because it's, it's true that he's a friend of sinners. That's why Luke told this story right after the accusation. Because it's true, Jesus came, the Son of Man came to invite awakened sinners to feast upon his grace. Have you feasted upon his grace? Have you feasted upon his grace? The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, conquered death, sits at the Father's right hand, and this morning he invites us to the table of his grace. He invites us to feast upon his grace. Listen, what do you need to be forgiven for this morning? What do you deeply regret that you would give anything to take back, but you can't, that you need to be forgiven for? Or what is it in your life that if people found out and knew about you, you would be totally ashamed and embarrassed of them knowing? Jesus is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you. You don't have to hide from him. Jesus welcomes you to the table of his grace 
And he has something to give you this morning. Just like this woman, he has something to offer you. Honor. Dignity. Forgiveness. Grace. Have you received his grace? Listen, if you're like me, there are so many things in my life that I deeply, deeply, deeply regret. And I know that I can go back and change them. If I could, I would, but I can't. And the guilt that comes from my many mistakes and and the things that would give anything to go back and change is like this crushing weight. You know that weight? Have you ever felt that weight? This, the, the, this tremendous weight of guilt and condemnation for our, for our failures and not being able to measure up, the times that we've hurt ourselves, the times that we have hurt others, the times that we have deeply grieved God as a result of our life. I am totally aware of that in my life. And I know there is nothing I can do to clean myself up. There's, and at the same time, I know that I don't deserve to be forgiven. And I know I don't deserve God's acceptance and welcome and love. And there is nothing that I can do to remove this tremendous weight of guilt and shame and condemnation. But Jesus can, and he has. You hear his words this morning? Your sins are forgiven. If you have come to the Son of Man, just like this this woman, and you see yourself as you really are, just like this woman, guys, these are the most precious words that you could ever, ever hear. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You are forgiven. Why? Because when the Son of Man says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Bank on it. Preach it to your hearts. That when the Son of Man says you're forgiven, you are forgiven. If He's forgiven you, then you need to forgive yourself. And some of us have a really hard time not only believing that the Father through the Son has forgiven us, but forgiving our own self for what we have done. If the Son of Man has forgiven you, you are forgiven. Forgive yourself. He has removed that from me. And he's removed it from you if you've come to feast upon his grace. It is true of you. You are forgiven. I am forgiven. He has made us clean. Because he clothes us in his purity, in his perfection, and washes away all of our sin by his precious blood. I don't know what to say. But I love the Son of Man. Anyone else love the Son of Man? Come on now. Anyone else love the Son of Man? I love the Son of Man because he is not like the Pharisees. But God is full of grace and he welcomes us as we are to feast upon his grace. That's who God is. He's a God of grace. If you feast upon his grace, then our response is clear, isn't it? We love him. We love him. When's the last time you told him you love him? Tell him you love him this morning. This woman saw herself for who she really is and saw him for who he was, and she was undone, right? I mean, she, she took that which was most expensive to her, this perfect perfume, just broke it and began to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. She loved Jesus because she knew who she was, and he'd forgiven her so much. Love him. 
And also, if you've tasted the grace of God, you know what that does? It begins to change us, at least it should, and it make us into a people of grace. We can't just receive and taste the grace of God and not be changed by it. It changes us because it helps us to see, you know what? There's nothing different between me and anyone else in this room and anyone outside these walls. The only difference is, is I see myself as I really am and I see Jesus for who he is. And he's made me clean. So, if his grace changes us, and the question is, who are we extending his grace to? Right? Like, Who's reclining at our table? Who do we invite into our homes, into our lives? Are we like the son of man and, and eat and drink and, and, and be friends with tax collectors and sinners? Would anyone accuse us of being a friend of tax? Sorry about that. Being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Anyone accuse us of that? Listen, I want you to think about your kitchen table. Anyone have a kitchen table? Anyone use their kitchen table? Chick-fil-A is not your kitchen table. Okay. I want my kitchen table to be this place where the broken find healing in the grace of God. Do you? Like, I want my kitchen table to be this place where marriages are restored by the grace of God. Do you? Like, I want... Literally, I want my kitchen table, the, the literal kitchen table, to be this place where the hopeless find hope in the grace of God. Like, I want my home to be this place where those who don't smell like me, talk like me, think like me, are welcomed in the grace of God. Do you? And I, I want this place, this church, us, to be this, this place where they're hurting. And those who are crushed by the weight of of, 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 their, of, of shame and guilt can find freedom. I mean, true freedom and true joy and the son of man's precious words, your sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Do you? Then it starts with us, guys. It starts in our homes. It starts in our lives. So the question is, who are you going to invite to your kitchen table this week? Just take one night this week and open up your home. Extend his grace, right? Invite someone into your home, into your life who desperately, desperately needs the grace of God just like you do and just like you do. I mean, we be like the son of man and have the same missional strategy, right? He came eating and drinking. He opened up his life. He opened up his table to those who desperately need the grace of God. May we do the same. The grace of God changes us and it should cause us to be a people of grace. Reaching out to those who desperately need the grace of God. All right, I wanna close with this. We're about to take the Lord's Supper. And uh, if you've been with us for a while, I hope you never get tired of taking the Lord's Supper. I love it. Because you know what the Lord's Supper reminds us of this morning? It reminds us that we're still welcome to the table of God's grace. He welcomes us this morning. And the only reason, listen very carefully, the only reason why we can come to this table is because of his grace. You see the bread? It represents the clean and pure life of Jesus. And it tells us through his life, he is the only one who makes us clean. 
And so if you've come to Jesus by faith, he wraps you in the purity and the cleanliness of his own life, and you are made clean. You are hidden in him, and when the Father sees you, he sees you as pure as his son, Jesus Christ. So the Father sees you, and that's how you see yourself. And the blood represents, or the juice represents his blood, which washes away and cleanses you of all of your sin. If you are in Christ, every single one of your sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. Covered, everyone. Not just that one that you think, ah, maybe this, every single one was placed upon Christ on the cross, and he received the punishment for every one of your sins. Therefore, all of your sin has been taken care of, forgiven, nailed to the cross covered by the blood of Jesus. So if you're struggling with that one that he made it for you, take it to the cross. It's there. Father will never count it against you. It was counted against Jesus. That's the reason why we can come to the table of his grace. Because it's Jesus who makes us clean and forgives us of all of our sins. But listen very carefully. What we do this morning is also this foretaste, guys, of a feast that's coming. So what we are doing this morning, we call the, the Lord's Supper, but one day it will be called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. So what we are doing this morning, eating and drinking, is this foretaste of what's going to come in Revelation chapter 19. Listen to this. Picture this. Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with a fine linen, bright and, and pure. What we are doing this morning, guys, is the beginning of the feast that we will one day eat with Jesus. The marriage supper of the Lamb, where, where us, the bride, the church, we will feast together with our groom, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. But it's not just a picture. It's not just a picture. What we are doing this morning is the real thing, but only begun in the partial way because our King has not yet come yet, but He will. He's coming, guys. One day he will come, and when he comes, we're going to feast and drink and eat with him at the table of his grace forever. And so what we are doing this morning, listen very carefully. We eat together as the bride, but we don't eat alone. We don't eat alone. Why? Because we eat together with the ascended Son of Man who reigns and sits at the Father's right hand and who's present with us this morning through the Holy Spirit. Even though we can't see Him, He's with us. He's with us. So we eat together, guys, this morning. Together we take the bread and the juice. And what, we, what we're doing this morning is we're not, we're not just tasting delicious King's Hawaiian bread, though it is delicious, isn't it? You know it is. For those who can eat the King's Hawaiian and, and, and you know that, that juice is sweet. I mean, it tastes good, doesn't it? But it, it's not just some bread and juice. Guys, we eat together with the Son of Man. And we celebrate and rejoice that he has welcomed us to the table of his grace. And he says, come. Come as you are. Lost, broken, those who've made a mess of your life, those who can't clean yourself up, those who know yourself to be unrighteous and spiritually poor, 
come. Come, because I got something to offer to you. I got forgiveness, I've got dignity, I got love, I got acceptance, I got honor to give you. Come. So, guys, as we come this morning, we come and we celebrate, amen? We come rejoicing, we come loving, we come weeping at the feet of Jesus because the Son of Man came to save us, lost and broken sinners. And we can feast together this morning at the table of His grace, and one day we're going to feast at His table forever, amen? Guys, let us come this morning. Sorry, I'm getting wild. This is really good news. I hope that you are tasting his grace this morning. His grace is so sweet. And I hope his grace causes you to love him more and changes you to cause you to be a people of grace and invite those into your life who may not look like you, talk like you, smell like you. The only difference between you and them as you found the Son of Man, and they need to find Him too. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I um, am just undone this morning by Your grace. Father, as You know my life, and You know the life of many in this room, that we have spent a lot of our years being a a Pharisee and trying to clean ourselves up apart from you. And we have taken um, good things that we know that we're supposed to do. But we have taken them and we have done them in the spirit of trying to clean ourselves up and make ourselves right and acceptable to you. And we have found that it's not It's not sufficient. It's broken. It's spiritually bankrupt because we can bring nothing to you other than our sin, our brokenness, our mistakes, our shame. And by coming to you with open hands and giving those to you, you exchange them and you give us your forgiveness and you clean clean us And you are the one who makes us pure. You are the one who makes us acceptable. You are the one who makes us honorable and give us dignity. And it's you who welcome us to feast with you and to have friendship with you. Why would you do that for us? We are so unworthy. We don't deserve it, Father. We we deserve to be excluded from your table. We deserve to be separated from you, but you came and you pursued us and you welcome us to feast upon your grace. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you. I want us to take just a few moments in in this time to think about the bread, to think about the juice, Spend some time with the Father. When you think of the bread, you think about the perfect life of Jesus, Him come eating and drinking, Him coming to obey all the Father's commands, Him living this pure and clean and righteous life, and He did it for us. All the standards in which we are to measure up to, Jesus measured up for us so that we can be clean and acceptable in the sight of the Father. And see him on the cross. 
and see all of your mistakes and sin, all the things that cause us to deserve to be separated from the Father, everything that deserved for us not to have acceptance and welcome was placed upon the Son. Whatever causes you to, to, to run and hide from Him, or whatever, whatever it is that if people have found out, you'd be totally ashamed and embarrassed of, that was placed upon Jesus. And He was crushed for it. He was found guilty for it. And he received the punishment for it. Which separation from the, He was rejected so that we could be accepted. So I want us to spend a few moments just picturing the Son of Man and how he welcomes us to the table of his grace. What's the look on his face towards you right now? It's one of, of delight and joy because he loves to be with you. His life and death shows us how he loves to be with us and how he wants us to be with him for eternity. So I want you to spend some time reflecting on it. And listen, if, if you came into this place this morning thinking that Jesus Christ um, is, I don't know what he is to you, but all I, all I hope is, is that you have seen that Jesus Christ is the son of man, God in the flesh, who came to be a friend of sinners. And if you're here this morning and you see yourself for who you really are, lost and broken, and who've made a mess of your life, that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, offers something to you this morning by faith. If you, you can't see him. All right, so this is a matter of faith. Even though you can't see him, he rose from the dead and he sits at the Father's right hand. And he says, if you come to me, I will exchange your sin with my righteousness. I will give you my forgiveness. I will give you honor and dignity. I will make you clean. I will help clean the mess that you've made of your life. And I will forgive you of all that you've done because I came and my body was broken and my blood was shed to purchase this for you. So come to him this morning. If you've never come to the Son of Man by faith to receive his salvation, he's your only hope. He's your only hope. So come running and weeping to Jesus, just like the woman of the city did, and receive the forgiveness that he promises you. And he hear the words, your sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He's your only hope. Come to him. If you've come to him, and he is your only hope in this life and life to come, and you've received the table, you've received his grace, then come to the table of his grace and celebrate what he's done. Thank him, love him, worship him, adore him for the grace that he has bestowed upon you. When you're ready, come and partake of the body and blood of Jesus.